The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Well, folks, welcome back to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast. Feeling a little better over here. It's been nine days, 10th by the time this comes out. And uh, when I was recording this episode with Miss Leonarda Joni, uh, really, really funny comic, uh, great, proud Albanian woman, um, I was very sick and I was trying to play it off. I had brain fog like a mofo. And uh, we rolled through it, though. She's a really easy chat. Um, I encourage you to look up her work. She's got a YouTube channel and Instagram. That is uh, the the handle is Leonarda is funny. Leonarda is funny. Uh, really cool girl, man. Um, based out of Austin with the rest of the New World Order. Uh, I think she relocated from New York. She escaped and is hanging out down there with all those. Uh, very staunch conservatives in Austin, right? Uh, but no, in all honesty, she's a great woman. Uh, very, very fun chat, like I said. And um, educated me a little bit, and I hope that she learned a thing or two. We're uh, like-minded in the conspiracy realm. think, obviously, uh, being two different people, we view the world differently, which you should, always. Um, but yeah, man, the fun conversation. We talked about feminism a little bit. Um, I jokingly say that she's a feminist and she is kind of like one of those OG feminists. So I think they call them TERFs these days. Uh, so she, we talk about that a little bit. We talk about communism, socialism, wokeism. This is the ism episode. Okay. The age of isms. And um, I want to meet more people like this. You know what I mean? I want to meet more people that. Uh, I don't know if you'd say challenge me to talk in in about different things. Um, but you know, it's funny. I reached out to her because I heard her episode. She's got a podcast, uh, called the crazy Albanian, which is very funny. Um, she doesn't put like crazy production into it. I think she just kind of records when she feels like it. And they're hilarious, dude. She's a really funny girl. So I recommend you check out her work. Um, but I heard her talking on there about, the Tinder swindler being fake and uh, to try to stand out because you never know how many people reach out to these these folks. Um, I said, hey, let's talk about the Tinder swindler and other like dating conspiracies. Didn't even get into that at all. 
Um, we didn't really get to showcase her funny in this episode either, but uh, hopefully she'll be on the Monday Night Master Debaters at some point with Matt T from The Great Deception and myself. And uh, yeah, dude, just uh, I can't say enough good things about her. I want to talk more. I felt like I barely kind of got to know her a tiny bit and it would be great to get to know her more. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see if I pissed her off or just was totally boring for her. So I guess you'll know in a couple of weeks or months. Just depends. So guys, enjoy this episode with Leonardo Joni. Uh, Leonardo is funny on YouTube. Check that out. Good videos. Um, she's done other podcast appearances, obviously, which she'll show on there. And, uh, Obviously, housekeeping up front, I'm going to keep it very quick. I'm going to see how quick I can blow through it. Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast. I'm going to do a bonus portion for this. I just don't know exactly what it is yet. Um, I'm looking into all kinds of really interesting information. I actually picked up a great book. I forget the name of it, but I found it at my used uh, bookstore. And it's got lists of books and descriptions of the books of alternative information and different topics. So like sex information, drug information, uh, conspiratorial information. It's really cool. It's like a coffee table book. Um, seven bucks, man. This is what's cool about used bookstores. So I'm going to have something great for this. That's going to come out tomorrow because you got a great rant if you're in my middle tier about the Oscars. And I caught the slap live. Was it real? Was it fake? Tune in to find out. Um, I think it was kind of staged, but you know, that's just me. So patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. I really appreciate your support. Been stagnant over there. Although a lot of people are transferring from the three and $5 tiers to the $10 tier. Okay. I'm not saying you should do that. Just saying, come over, hang out for three bucks. It's pretty, pretty cheap. And you get a lot of good entertainment. I recommend the $5 tier. Personally, you get the most value there, but Hey, if you want to talk to my dumbass once a month, uh, with everyone else on there unrecorded just kind of like a bar chat right kind of like a ghost talk at the tavern type deal but we're not recording so there's no pressure um and then i'll always shout out any business that you got or anything for ten dollars you can't beat that with a fucking dick or stick um so yeah uh dangerousworldstore.com if you want to check out any t-shirts got some fun shirts coming i'm working on a two-part psyop episode with my buddy shannon And there's going to be two shirts that are released alongside with that that are PSYOP related. Okay, so again, DangerousWorldStore.com. Last but not least, before we roll into this episode with Miss Joni, um, this freaking tinfoil hat that I've been wearing, dude. I love this thing. Operation Tinfoil is the name. And you can go to WearTinfoil.com. You'll get $10 off of this phenomenal silver-lined beanie, quite literally silver-lined beanie that protects from emf radiation so bluetooth wi-fi um 5g right that was a hot conspiracy for a while still should be i think that there's just so many damn distractions we don't know okay i don't know what i gotta do okay i'll suck your dick if you buy the hat no i won't i don't know why i said that i'm still sick i got a little brain fog just buy the buy the hat okay it's a good hat it's uh I mean, hey, you're not going to find a hat that will save your brain from all the stuff going on out there, dude. That's all I got to say. WearTinfoil.com. Get $10 off. Um, You're supporting a small American company. Great dude. I've talked with the dude many times. We are pretty much in communication on a daily basis. 
And uh, I really like the guy, man. I like what he stands for. His um, He's got other businesses, which he doesn't want to disclose. But um, quite honestly, I, I'm not sure why, because he's a, he's all of his companies are very moral. And it seems like everything that he is a part of is very, very positive. So um, if nothing else, buy it to support an American company from a great dude that cares about not only other Americans, but other human beings. Okay. Again, wear tinfoil.com. You get $10 off of this great EMF protective beanie. Okay. Uh, guys, let's roll into this episode with Miss Leonarda Joni. Uh, Leonarda is funny on Instagram and, and, uh, YouTube as well. Okay. Enjoy the show, guys. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here is a great uh, Albanian. Uh, we've got a comedian, a podcaster, um, a feminist, right? I mean, you're all those things. Uh, Miss Leonarda Joni. Yeah, I don't know about the feminist label. It depends on which wave of feminism you're talking about. I know. Anything I know. after first wave is is bonkers. So, Well, so were you actually a feminist at one point? Because I was obviously joking about that, but I mean... Maybe since you did identify as a liberal, that that was kind of a thing. Well, I was a feminist in the extent that I was I did not want my decisions and choices to be made for me by men. Yeah. You know, that was that first wave feminist. Right. Because, the you know, the old school way of doing things was you belong to your father until he passes you on to your husband and then you belong to him. Mm. So that was when we really needed feminism because it treated women like children and infantilized them. And uh, I think it was really rather unfortunate. And we're still feeling a lot of the repercussions of that, because even though we've had all these crazy feminist reactions in, in spite of that, women are still given like this kind of treatment as as children, even the third wave feminists. Right. They don't want to be held accountable for their actions. And I'm like, well, that's a child. I didn't realize there were so many waves of it, really. I thought that oh, it was yeah. just, I thought it was just kind of gradually getting crazier and crazier, but um, no, it's it's the different waves of the feminist. Because the first wave feminists were just like, hey, we'd like to be able to work. We don't yeah, want to yeah. be beaten by our husbands or our fathers. And uh, you know, we want to be in charge of our own destiny, which every mature human being desires. Mm. And consequently, if you look at what's going on with the liberal movement, that's the opposite of what they're asking for. They're asking for the government to come in and be in charge. They think they're asking the government to come in and be in charge of you. But they're perfectly what they're saying when they say that is, hey, take care of me because I can't do it. Yeah, there's something really weird about that whole like the the social welfare programs and all these things are really fucking over, you know, different communities, mostly minority communities. But there's a ton of different people on all these programs. I mean, I live in Tucson, Arizona. We have a lot of really poor. I mean, I live in an area with a ton of poor white people, dude. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the poor whites. The poor whites are here. Exactly. And, yes. and it's scary. There's uh, not many yeah. teeth among the group of them. And yeah. they're they're angry, you know what I mean? And of course, yeah, it is well, kind of laughable. That, isn't that funny? How that's that is the common underlying theme, no matter which minority community you're in. That, that? when you're when you're in the government programs, there is a deep rage and resentment. Oh yeah, well, and and that that is a good point to bring up actually, because you'd think that they'd be grateful that they're getting a little bit of help, but they feel like shit about themselves. You know what I mean? Why would somebody be grateful if you told them that they are incapable of taking care of themselves and that they need you? I mean, have you ever like 
have, it's, it just goes into like, if you've ever been dependent on anyone, just like personally in your life, yeah, there is a resentment there that you need them in this way. And that, and that they like, if, so my best example of that is like an abusive relationship, right? Sure. An abusive relationship, the, the standard, let's say abusive relationship between a man and a woman where the man makes all this money and then he has to take care of his wife. And in, in, the, in addition to that, he's telling her how she can't do anything by herself. But then he's like, but don't worry, I got you. Mm-hmm. So there's resentment because it's like, yeah, oh, oh, yes, you bought me luxury and I have all these wonderful things. But that's not really what makes us feel good about life. Oh, no yeah. doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying that if these people were genuinely in need, right, it, it, a lot of people, I, in my humble opinion, a lot of people that are using these welfare programs, they're just not really living to their full potential. And I think they know that. But if someone genuinely needed a little bit of help, right, like they're down on their luck and it's a short term thing, you'd think that they would be grateful for it. Right. Because yeah. everyone has those tough little spouts of life. But when and you are, you are initially until it then because like when that if, if you need a little bit of help. Right. But the help, you know, has no expiration date. What are you going to do? Yeah, you're going to keep getting that help. And because there is a belief inside yourself that you can't do it. But that then it's that that belief is getting reinforced by the fact. So you're getting enabled by the fact that you keep getting the help. And what that breeds is a resentment, because if that help was like, let's say, hey, you're going to get this help. but We're giving you six months. This Mm -hmm. is what I think really should be aside from like senior citizens and stuff like that. Sure. If you're getting help, there should be a six month expiration date. That's it. Once six months comes, you got to go. So if that's the case, now you're like, okay, thank you. I need this help. What do I got to do to get myself on my feet? Right. And then again, we're also assuming that we're not living in a new world order in which the elites keep crushing down on us more and more and more and making it impossible for you to be able to stand on your own two feet. Yeah. Well, and you know, the healthcare programs that are being rolled out there, it, it's wild. I actually just read a little document from Dr. Mercola. I don't know if you've heard of him, but this yeah, dude, yeah, he's dope. And I don't, you may have actually seen the document then where, I mean, he's disclosing all of the, the talks of the, there's a lady, I forget her name. I'll look it up while we're talking here, but she was a director for the CDC. And then she went over to be a vice president at Merck, right? So I mean, how that's a conflict of interest and a half going from a government regulatory body over to one of the largest vaccine makers in the United States. It has some questionable roots over in Germany, right? With the Nazi party and things like that. Um, But I mean, you see this and they're just trying to push a one world healthcare order. And I mean, that's going to kind of envelop all kinds of other things too, but it's wild. They're doing that. They do that so regularly, like the CDC to the pharmaceutical companies, the pharmaceutical companies to the FDA, the FDA back to the pharmaceutical companies. It's just one revolving door. And this has been going on really since at least the 40s. I mean, you had um, the uh, the Ansel Keys uh, study that came out and completely vilified fat and said um, fat was like responsible for all the health problems when it was so clearly refined sugar. And he completely covered that up, right? And that had to do with 
big sugar coming in and funding a lot of those studies. And then they obscured the data. They presented it in a way that would really make it look like fat was responsible. But then when you really accounted for the sugar, you saw it's clear that it's the sugar that's causing all these problems. So it's been going on for such a long time. The CDC is completely corrupt. They, there are. Wait, totally really? Scary. Don't tell me that. Totally buried stories of how many of their own employees they killed, like were murdered, died under suspicious circumstances who were going to blow the whistle on the corruption that was happening internally. So you don't hear about any of this stuff. So people are like, it's the CDC. I'm like, yeah, if the CDC is telling me to do something, I'm going to do the opposite. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny that you say that because I have some friends in this community here. I've met a ton of great people like just around the country, really around the world that feel that no matter what the government tells them, they want to do the opposite. And I try and find myself somewhere in the middle um, because I never want to be too far to one way or the other. Like you mentioned the the fat and, and sugar thing. Working out is now a right wing conspiracy. Right. And, oh, and yeah, that, it's wild. I mean, they're going to make everything that they don't want you to do a right wing conspiracy. You have to understand they've just this is what they do every time they invent a villain. Mm. And then under that villain they put everything that they don't want you to do so back in the 2000s the villain they invented was the muslim terrorists and if you dare to speak up about the patriot act being a violation of your rights you were siding with the terrorists like oh don't you want to keep this country safe you know Mm. and they use such a horrific event as 9-11 which they staged and created to say that's why we want to protect against that and you're like, it's like the wolf coming in after he just ate one of your sheeps. And he's like, uh, your sheep are in danger. Yeah. Put me in charge. Pay me. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, no, no, no. And and so we keep falling into that, you know, that, that um, it's called the Hegelian diet. What is it? Dialectic. Dialectic. Yeah. Problem yeah. reaction solution. Is exactly. What they, they create the problem for the solution they want already. Yeah. Well, you know, Hegel, I actually did. I was looking into mind control a lot. And um, I mean, Hegel, that dude's crazy, man. And and he had a lot of understudies that really just perpetuated the whole idea of being able to control people's thoughts uh, through fear. I mean, fear is the most potent emotion that you can have, right? Right. Um, The stock market operates off of greed and fear. And there's an index. It's called the greed fear index. And this is how like, you know, that's why the market can crash so fucking quick versus it, it takes years to rise to a certain point and gains can be wiped out in minutes. Right. 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 So it is nuts. You said something a second ago um, about the idea of women in the workplace. Right. Yes. Now, I have this theory that the reason that the feminine, the first wave of feminism was pushed. And I agree with you. I think, you know, there's no reason that women should be treated lesser than than men. but it is interesting, the idea that that the government wanted a like they're only taxing 50 percent of the population when men were working. Right. Right. Now, when when women were stuck at home. Yeah, it sucks. It's not good if if they want to go out and work, but they're just not allowed to. Um, pushing the idea for women to go out and work, it seems like it could be a great way to tax the entire population. Right. Or no. Sure. Um, but here, so here's, there's a couple of things with that. First of all, people forget women were working. Which women are you talking about? There was a small group of women that weren't working. It was the upper middle class and the upper classes. Those were the ones who weren't working. 
But if you look throughout history, poor women and working class women were always working. And before that, you know, when we all had farms or whatever, we were working. You know, there there was the I mean, I, I you know, back in my country, my original home country of uh, Montenegro, Albania, there the idea that there were certain jobs for men and certain jobs for women just didn't apply. It was like, oh, the women went out and the fields with the men. They lifted things with the men. They labored with the men because everybody there is poor, right? Now, yeah. obviously, they could only lift so much or they weren't going to like be as heavy lifting. They weren't going to be the fighters in the army or whatever. But when everybody's poor, you can't afford to be like, well, my wife's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, right? for sure. And yeah, maybe selfishly, I was just kind of talking about the United States here, but you're right. I mean, like there is absolutely. Even in the United States, even in the United States, you always had working class women working always. Now, like during my grandparents, uh, like their generation and stuff too, like World War II, I know that they really started. They were working, you know, they were doing the, they were teachers, nurses, right? They, they would, um, they would do the jobs that were deemed okay for women. That's what they would do, but they were working, right? Working class women were always working. Just wasn't going to happen that you weren't going to be working. Whether that was going to be working on your farm or your homestead or whatever it was, you were working. You weren't going to be a kept woman. So where we really had this sort of idea that women were supposed to be home with the family or whatever was when you got into the middle and upper middle class and higher classes, you know, because then you could afford to have your wife stay home with your kids and raise them. But, yeah. um, you know, and I, I'm, I think about that with the whole, you know, the taxation of the population, I think it could be two things, you know, one thing could be that what you're talking about is to increase the revenues. And what's interesting about that is that, you know, it went, we went from a time where one salary would be enough to maintain a family. Uh, and we still have that, you know, again, I think it's still the same thing though. If you really look around and you start looking at the upper middle class and the upper classes, they're women are home with the families. Their women are home with the families. Sure. They generally don't work. I do think that it was more widespread back in like, like I was saying, like in the, you know, right after World War II, um, just because, I mean, you can go have a factory job, right? And you could be right. popping rivets into a fucking car and, and, and make plenty of money to support a family. Right. And now yeah. that's Women considered- weren't doing that. They weren't doing that until... The first world war and the second world war, sure. the men were all fighting and then they were like, well, I guess we need you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. It, it is kind of crazy to think about, but it's just kind of, and it's cool to hear from someone. So you from, you're actually born in Albania and you. Yeah. I was born in Montenegro. Uh, I'm Albanian, ethnically Albanian, but the borders over there constantly shift. So even though I was born in a territory that would have in the old borders fallen on the country of Albania, it now falls under montenegro interesting yeah but i'm albanian yeah and i was born there um and then came over with my family when i was about one and a half okay so you didn't really have to see the way that things operated over there too much no no i mean i've gone back a few times and and seen stuff and for the most part they're like they're women it's like 50 percent of the time the women work or not it's like it's not really like a, a requirement over there um, just because of the way the economy is. Yeah. And still the old, like the old, the older mentality around how to operate things over there. Sure. So a lot of times 
what's happening is like, if the woman's not like working necessarily in a job outside of the home, you know, she's got like a little garden and tending to the home as her job, right? And that's the thing, this is a thing that I think like feminists really miss. Um, I, and people started talking about this, you know, after the, I believe the first or second wave of feminism where they were like, okay, well now we just have two jobs because mm. it's, because here's the thing, like no matter how much money I make and how much money, how, how much work I do outside of my home, my man is never going to be able to give birth to a child. He's never going to be able to take over my job. So we can fight and argue about how we should be able to do what men do, right? All day, which I think is kind of a fool's argument because it's like, oh, you want extra labor? Sure. Yeah. Because you're not, you're, your man is never going to be able to carry and birth a child and then nurse it, which is all the important stuff, right? And that's like the first year of life. And then after that, right, generally speaking, we have the instincts that we want to take care of the child. The men have the instincts that they want to go out and get things and get resources to make sure that she can do that, right? So that's a very natural disposition that we have. And I believe that the arguments that are being made are actually really hurting women because for, for two reasons, number one, it adds an extra job to us because it's not like the men take over the raising and care of children and the domain of the home, which there's, if you've lived anywhere, you see that it takes like work to keep your apartment clean, to make yourself meals, to make sure that everything in your home is like peaceful and content and that you're eating. So we still like, I, you know, I'm, I'm as, you know, forward thinking as any woman that was raised in the 21st century is. And I still feel like if the house is a mess, it's my fault. I need really? To yeah. Even though I know like, you know, sometimes my boyfriend's sloppy or whatever, but I know that he's not going to assume the duty of doing it the way that I will. And if he does, we, and this is true for women across the board. We're like, thanks for helping me. That's interesting. That is, right? that's if pretty true. Clean, if he, if I clean the house, he doesn't go, thanks for helping me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that he is. Goes, thanks for cleaning. It's nice in here, but he never felt like you helped him do something that he was supposed to do. But women yeah. constantly were like, Hey, can you help me? Can you help me do the dishes? Can you help me? I get that. This is my division of labor. Can you help me? Because even if you don't formally think like this is your division of labor, once when, when he helps with stuff, you feel like he's helping you. Mm. Which is why I think, you know, we really we're getting a, where we're at right now is really tough for women. You know, I watched my mom work multiple jobs growing up and be primarily responsible for the household and the children. That's interesting. Is that why you joke about it pretty often? I mean, you make some good jokes about this oh, kind of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I want to raise the awareness and the consciousness that, you know, you're over here. It's to me, it's like the same battle when when women are out in the streets and they're screaming about how they should be allowed to kill their own children in the womb. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, with there are certain circumstances that are just, you know, that's not my place to tell somebody what to do. But if you're a regular ass woman who has access to birth control and, you know, condoms and all of this stuff, and you're screaming that you should be able to kill your child at five months. It's gotten past that now. For? Yeah. What are, what are you arguing for? 
Really? Have you seen in Massachusetts, and now they're working on it in Colorado, they're able to kill their baby 28 days after it's born? Have you seen that? I did not. And I know that's that gives me goosebumps in a bad way, dude. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, so, it's I fun. Mean, this is This is, to me... Okay, you want to get into conspiracies. This is the heart of conspiracies. Oh, sure. Because what you do when you say that, you are saying human life is not valuable. Here is the real core that people are not paying attention to. We are being trained to think, period, the end. Human life has no intrinsic value. And we have this in multiple ways. First of all, there's the whole global warming hoax crap, Mm -hmm. right? where they keep constantly talking about the damage humanity is doing to the planet and how we're destroying the planet in a way that makes the planet and other animal species more valuable than humanity itself, right? As if the earth in and of itself, separate from us, has some kind of greater value. Then they push this whole population control agenda. You're saying we should have less people being born into the world because you don't think any or every individual is of potential value in of in itself of existing, actually existing, right? Yeah. And then you have the third thing, which is abortion, which is really the nail in the coffin that says when someone gets pregnant, that's not a person, get rid of it. And then there's a whole a time period of extension of, and they say things like, okay, when you should you uh, be allowed to kill a child, right? Okay. Rape and incest. That's one of those categories. And sorry, I don't want to say kill a child, like rape and incest is one of those categories where um, if somebody is in that situation, you have to shut your mouth about what they're going to do. Right. Because, but even then I feel like there should be a time limit. You can't be like, I was raped. So I'm going to kill this baby 28 days after it was born. I'm sorry. At that point, no. Right? Yeah, it's and, fu- and I think I said Massachusetts. It's Maryland. Um, right, but that that's the nail in the coffin of destroying the idea that human life is intrinsically valuable. Well, and it seems it's a very communist way to approach things too, right? Because you have exactly 100. percent That's exactly well, it. Well, you have the the way. I mean, they they want the working age people to be good, right? I mean, like. Maybe once you're three, four, five, you can, and, and they're going to push this up. You know that too. Yes, right? absolutely. At, at a certain age, from a certain age to a certain age, you're valuable to the state, right? You can work, you can do jobs. Um, they obviously don't care about old people too. I, I don't know if it was Rahm Emanuel or who it was under Obama's cabinet that was saying that you need to be done away with after you're 75 years old. 75, you've lived 75 years. That's a good life. A lot of people don't get that. Once you make 75, I mean, it's like, you know, Logan's run or whatever. You're just done. You know what I mean? Once again, right. The devaluing of human life, except for how it serves the state. You're exactly correct. And all of this, all of these ideas have their roots in communist ideology, which to me is evil and satanic. 100% evil and satanic because people think communism is all about like economy. Oh, it's about how we want to function in a commune. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're wrong. It's not about the economy. At its heart, communism is about God. That's the heart of communism. Communism is, is like, hey, 
we, instead of God being the supreme that we're all looking to serve and be of value to and of purpose to, it's the state. Mm -hmm. So in a, in a, you know, Western capitalist society, the way it's supposed to be, and we've really fallen away from this is God is at the center. And then everything else is below that. And communism comes in and goes, eh, we don't need that. That's fake. Yeah. Everything's got to be about how you're serving the state. And that is incredibly dangerous because the state doesn't have a higher moral value or higher moral principles that it has to answer to other than being in power. And so everything gets justified under stay in power. Well, that's what uh, Saul Alinsky was talking about, too. And, you know, you can't really distinguish an atheist from a Luciferian uh, in his own words. I, I do personally. I think that, you know, I don't know exactly where you stand on the whole religion thing. I am agnostic personally, but I do believe that there is something on the other side of this. I just don't I don't get upset at anyone for whatever they believe in, unless it is Luciferian. I think that's just weird. And it's just some way that people try to, you know, stir shit up in my opinion that's my thought but um yeah Saul Alinsky straight up says there's no difference between an atheist and uh luciferian the the purpose for getting people into atheism is because now you've broken the relationship with god or the creator right or the universe right. whatever the fuck right. you want to think it is you you've taken that relationship away that connection and so now you can fill that void with the state with you know satan with whatever else and um yeah, I mean, communism is kind of the introduction to Satanism or Luciferianism. So, yeah, oh, that's a is, good point. It is that. It, it, it's that. I mean, yeah. you can know. So, you know, the, there's that old biblical say, saying, you know, a tree by its fruits. Sure. The only fruit that communism has ever produced is misery and suffering for human yeah. beings. And it's it's disguised in a wrapping of compassion for all of uh humanity because we we don't want to have inequality and suffering and all of this stuff right so that to me is very satanic right because mm. in it, whether it's a mythical satan or an actual satan the mythology around satan is his presentation of a evil under the guise of a good so even when he in the Bible gets Adam and Eve to eat the apple, it's under the guise of, I want you to know, I want you to have knowledge, mm -hmm. right? And then it ends up causing all kinds of human misery. And, you know, people, people that are really not well versed, and this is, this is a product of having been raised in this time period, that, that communism and atheist projections have basically seeped into every average every avenue of society. So often people will be like, well, why was God of the Bible trying to keep knowledge from us? We should have that knowledge. And you're like, well, if you read a little few lines down the road, uh, it actually says God was going to give the fruit to Adam and Eve. He was going to have them eat from the tree of knowledge and then from the tree of life. I, I, one, it, it, I think it was the other way around that they were supposed to eat or something like that. But in order to do that, they just had to go up this mountain that God asked them to do. He's just said, go up the mountain. Put in the work. It wasn't, it wasn't like a hard mountain that they had to climb. It wasn't like laborious. It was just the act of, hey, in order for you to have these fruits, you have to do A before you do B. Mm. And it's that, not just and, as simple as taking a bite of something is what you're saying. It's like, you got to put in the work to do. It wasn't, but no, it, that's not what it's about. 
It's about obedience to God. Sure. Okay. Okay. Which is really what we have a hard time with, myself included, is I'm like, I don't want to be obedient to anything. I want to be free. Leave me alone. Yeah. Don't tell me what to do. Okay. So, but then we have to look at the sort of deeper mythological meaning of what does it mean to be obedient to God? And why would that be so important? Well, God is the highest good. That's how we can, that's the best we can understand him. He's the most utmost good. There is nothing higher or, or more good to him. So when you say obedience to God, you're saying obedience to the highest good. If you're going to be an eternal being who's going to live eternally in heaven in and around God, you need to have an obedience to the highest good in order to be able to one, be in the presence of the highest good and not have it, you know, destroy you. And two, be able to live in harmony for eternity with all of God's creatures. Mm. If you can't do that, you're going to create disharmony in heaven, which is not acceptable, right? So people, that's why the, it's a very Luciferian idea of like, I want to do things my way. and da, 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 Because we are saying, I don't want to be obedient to the highest good. I want to be obedient to myself and worship myself. But yourself, for the most part, is a piece of shit. Yeah, well, and that's kind of what Aleister Crowley and all this shit kind of comes back to, right, or or stems from, is that, you know, we're all going to be gods. We're all going to worship each other. Social media is a big, big tool in that. And to your point there, I mean, or I guess I'm just kind of throwing this out there. There's really no perfect system, right? I mean, communism is horrible. I think that that would be the worst. Um, socialism's not far off from communism. It's kind of like an introduction to to yeah. communism. It's essentially the same. It's a little different. Um, capitalism isn't the greatest either. I mean, I, I'm a capitalist at heart. I mean, I believe that, that people should be able to work their asses off and, and try to gain some sort of higher standing in not necessarily society, but just for themselves. Um, I heard this great quote though, and I'm glad that I got to use it here because it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, some fucking dumb show. I forget what it is, but it's, um, do you know the difference between capitalism and socialism in capitalism, man exploits man. And in socialism, it's the other way around. You know what I mean? Because that's exactly oh, what it is. Same thing. Yeah. yeah, it's the same fucking thing. Well, I would argue that we are in a communist capitalist system. We don't I'd say have... it's corporatocracy, personally. Same thing. You know, the corporations are the ones who are pushing for communism because they're going to be at the top. That's what people don't understand. Like the corporations are always the ones pushing. The elites, the rich people are always pushing for communism. Mm. Because they're still going to be at the top. They're not worried. They don't care. They want you to have even less say and less power, and they're going to take more. So if you look at our, our tax system, you know, when the when the income tax was introduced, first of all, it's unconstitutional in the Constitution that you cannot tax a man's income and earnings. And when they introduced it, they introduced it at the same time as the um, Federal Reserve Bank in um was it 1919 or 1914 i forgot exactly 1914 and they and that was how they funded the federal reserve was through the taxes and the first tax was one percent of your income and it was only for a certain group and it always starts that way they knew they knew they would if they came out and said 30 percent of your income to find it would have been riots one percent mm-hmm. you, you almost don't notice it and now we're at a place where the government can take 50, 60% of somebody's earnings because they're above a certain bracket. And then once they do that, like that, so you think about somebody who's making $500,000 a year, right? And you're like, yeah, what do you need $500,000 for? And you're like, okay, fine. 
but the government is now in there where they're, they're, they're taxed at a 40% tax bracket. So they've now gone from being a $500,000 earner to like maybe 280 or 300. Mm. That's yeah, not that's great. You have a family of five. You're, where are you living? I'll tell you what, if you're living in New York City, $280,000 net effective rate, you're just, you're basically average. Mm-hmm. And that's what's sad. You know, it's interesting to think about the way, because you came from New York to, yes. to a, I don't know if you want to give away your location to these crazy Oh, I'm people. in Texas now. You're in Texas. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, laws are night and day different there. Regulations are night and day different there. Um, But you get, I, I, I'm scared, honestly, that Texas is going to end up just like New York and California very soon because of the influence and I like um, Joe Rogan. I think he's a decent guy, probably deep down. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I've never met the dude. I, I have no I'm not going to vouch for his character. I know he's good friends with Elon Musk, who, who is not a piece of a, a fucking good dude. That dude is a horrible, horrible person. He's talking to all kinds of he's saying, like, AI is the most dangerous thing in the world. And he's fucking building it right now. You yeah, know what I mean? The, dial- the Hegelian dialectic. You know? Yeah, of course. Of course. I'm just saying, like, board. You know, p- putting these kinds of people there and then telling everyone move over to Austin, move move to Texas, right? Um, a but lot the people of people that are coming, the people that are coming are like myself, who have seen the horrendousness and are like, no more. So we're actually so. kind of like when immigrants come here, when immigrants come here, they end up being even more staunch defenders of freedom than even the OG Americans. Because they've come from places where there hasn't been freedom and they're like, yeah, this is extremely important. You're so, talking legal immigrants, right? Because, I mean, illegal immigrants, I don't think it really depends on It depends on why they're coming, right? Because technically speaking, you know, my, my parents originally were, didn't come over legally. This was in the 80s, right? And they were seeking asylum and they were truly seeking asylum because it was just, it was like 90s. If you look at, you know, 80s and 90s, Yugoslavia it was like totally totally mess tons of wars all over the all over the place and then you know they got it straightened out within a couple of years but they were here for genuine true reasons of wanting to be part of a society where they could work they could earn they could ameliorate their position now if you're talking about the illegal immigrants who are coming in with really nefarious purposes they want to traffic children they want to traffic drugs they want to come in here and get on the welfare system and extract every last penny they can and then get out yeah, I'm with you. That's no good. You know, we don't. And 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 the the whole thing about legal versus illegal to me, it's like, what is your purpose in being here? And I know that we have where we're at because everything's so crazy right now that you have to go down that line. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no other way. And and basically, somebody who wants. So here's my thing: not everybody that comes over illegally has nefarious purposes. But if you have nefarious purposes, you're going to come over illegally. You're not going to try and get proper stuff to traffic you don't want that you don't want to be on the books oh for sure well and and then the problem too you in texas you share a border with mexico just like i do here in arizona um i talked with uh the former sheriff here in pima county i mean we have the i think pima county is the county with the largest mileage touching mexico it's like 150 maybe it's acreage i don't know what it is um but they he was saying that not one illegal immigrant can get over without the cartel so you're fueling yep. the cartel right yep. and um 
I mean, so that that's the problem that I have with illegal immigration. And obviously you kind of hit on, hit it on right there. There's, you know, fentanyl, there's all kinds of shit coming from Mexico. We just had a bust here. I think yesterday it's like 300 pounds of meth or something insane. Wow. And then we had a huge fentanyl bust, like enough fentanyl to kill the entire state of Arizona coming through. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it's like the wild fucking West and dude, I mean, fentanyl, you can think it's a Chinese bioweapon or whatever you want. I, I kind of agree that it's some sort of weapon against the population, whether it's yeah. the U.S. government or China or, or the cartels, whoever. Um, this stuff is meant to get through. And it's crazy when those amounts get busted. What would happen if that kind of shit gets in? And all that it takes is like sneaking it in. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and right. someone taking a small amount. And then that has a huge ripple effect. Did you hear about the the uh, soldiers and over spring break, four of them died from fentanyl and all that happened. Two of them did some fentanyl on accident. Cause that's always how it happens. Right. And then their friends were trying to give them mouth to mouth and the mouth to mouth was enough to kill them. Wow. Crazy. So, I mean, so, there's something to this fentanyl stuff. That's insane, man. It's weird. It's yeah. I weird. do think, I think they're being targeted. I think we're being targeted from the inside and the outside. Because um, everybody knows that the CIA is majorly connected to drug operations around the world. And this mm. has been the case for at least the last hundred years. Okay. They started in, you know, post-World War II is when they're saying they started. But, you know, they had the, the, the beginnings of that a little bit before that. Right. And they've been run. They've been doing drug. All the drugs that come into this country, for the most part, they know about. And it's, they're getting a cut, they're involved somehow, right? And I think the CIA actually doesn't work for our country. It works for the globalist new world order agenda. That's why all of their, um, basically everything they do is detrimental to the, hum to the American population. And um, their whole participation is what makes this possible. Then we have the Sackler family who completely pushed the opioid crisis Nobody gave a shit about that. They're, they, they got like a slap on the wrist. They just can't make opioids anymore. None of their money was taken away. Mm -hmm. If you really truly had a government who was in charge, who cared about the people of this country, every single one of those people would be in jail. Every single one of their assets would be confiscated and redistributed to the victims of the crime. Right. So that yeah. you could one pay for their like, recovery, pay for the rebuilding of the nations that have been destroyed. So we're not run by a government of American citizens. We're run by a government that is for a globalist agenda. And even Joe Biden said it the other day. So, you know, people really need to get get this through their heads because they're still thinking like I'm voting blue. I'm voting red. It's like you're voting for a new world order. They just have a different there's just a different team. Yeah, it is. You can go and you can search easily how in tandem Republicans and Democrat bureaucracies work together. I mean, it's they it, fist bump it, each other in Congress. They fist bump each other. Smiling. Well, they probably do more than that. But yeah, yeah it's well. it's pretty bad. And and it's obvious when you see it. And and the whole thing with what was it? Tip O'Neill or and Reagan? I might be fucking that up big time. But like they were. I mean, they they go and get drinks together after their yeah. It's, shit, all, you know it's I mean? all a show for you. It's it a is. show for you. So you can then go to your neighbor and go, oh, you're a racist Republican. And then they, you, you know, 
you can go back to, they can go back to you like, well, you're just a communist liberal. And it's like the the only people who really believe the shit are the people who aren't getting, who are getting screwed. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, there's something to being a hundred percent apolitical and just not caring about all this shit. But at the same time, those people do frustrate me when they just don't want to look into this stuff. You know what I mean? And and just educate. If everyone knew that the government didn't give a shit about you. People say it, but I think people deep down believe that the government has their best interest in mind. No, I think we're in the prisoner's dilemma. I think most people know. and and Stockholm syndrome? No, the prisoner's dilemma is, okay, I get that I uh, think the government thinks this way and is this way and I'm against it, but I think I'm the only one. And I think that if I go to like stage a protest or an overthrow or whatever i'm the only one who's going to show up and so i'm the only one who's going to go to jail that's Mm. a prisoner's dilemma because the prisoner's dilemma is like okay the the prisoners outnumber the guards like i think 10 to 1 or something crazy there's so many more prisoners than guards so the question is always like how come the prisoners just don't um overthrow the guards and break out well because they don't they think that they're the only one who's going to attack a guard the guards all know that if one of them gets attacked they're all going to jump in the prisoners don't know that everybody else is going to jump in and go with them on over on killing these guards. Mm. You get it? So that's where we're yeah. in. The government no notice how they all have each other's back. Somebody attacks one of them, it's like, remember January 6th? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, we had freaking Republicans being like, this was the worst day in humanity. It was an insurrection. Because they all have each other's back because they know that if they don't, no matter what team they're on and they leave it open for one of them to be attacked by us, all of them are susceptible. So they're super clear. Hey, if one of us gets attacked, I don't care what team you're on. We're all on the same team. We come down with the hammer. Yeah. We think nobody else is going to have my back because they won't. Right. And that's, yeah. Why you can always have this small group of elite controlling the masses because the masses are divided. Yeah, and that's by design, obviously, which you're saying. Yes. Um, even even the politicians that don't think that that the whole uh January 6th was an, a big insurrection equivalent to 9-11, Pearl Harbor, all this shit. Those people are are really fucked up too. Marjorie Taylor Green, if you go, I think opensecrets.com or .gov or .org, whatever, um, it shows all of the people that invest in these people's campaigns. And you can just go, I mean, you have the U.S. government giving Marjorie Taylor Green money. You have, oh, yeah, you've got Google, you've got like Apple, you've got, you know, all the companies that give, you know, AOC and the squad and, uh, you know, Liz Cheney and all these people money. Uh, they're still giving like Bobert and, I mean, pick a pick your favorite politician if you have one. And they're probably getting money from the U.S. government to run. And wow. and it's fucked. It, it's crazy. And it just really does kind of solidify the idea that, you know, there's not one person on our side. Ron Paul, Rand Paul, same shit. I mean, you know, it, it, the, the whole idea that he wasn't allowed to, to speak in the debates, that's just theater, like you're saying. It's just it's just for your entertainment. Um, so you think I you think that Ron Paul is also being funded because he seems to be really on the outs. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, for sure. I don't think that um, because I was a big Trump guy, right? Yeah. Um, 
I don't know where you sat on that in the beginning. Where were you, if you don't mind me asking? Originally, 2016, I was still under the um, hypnosis. And I thought he, I, I didn't even know why I thought he was the devil and the worst thing. And it's going to be so dangerous. And I was so terrified because, it, you know, I was telling, oh, God, I hope he doesn't win. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen if he won. I just knew that it was supposed to be really horrible. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I started watching his speeches and reading like the Epoch Times. This was like 2017. And I remember what really did it for me was um, what, like, cause I was already starting to be like, well, the things he's saying don't seem that bad. And then I'd go read the like New York Times coverage the next day. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I guess it was horrible. I mean, this is how an NPC works, right? So I was yeah. in there. I was in there, had my own thought thinking it's fine. And I was like, well, there, the thought, I had the thought, what he said was fine. And then I had the second thought was like, well, it can't be. What am I missing? Go read the New York Times to know what I should be thinking. This is what was happening inside my own head. Yeah. So I know what's going on with the NPCs. That's why they get so mad when you make a valid point because they've already thought about it. But then that then they then quote back to you their talking points from the New York Times or CNN or MSNBC. And these organizations, CNN, MSNBC, um, New York Times, they know what they're doing. They know that when Trump gives a speech, they better get on and give their controlled people their fight back points. They know that. They know that like, oh, our people are going to come up against this really valid thing. Great. Let's get on. We're going to do a special and we're going to tell them exactly what to say. So if you ever talk to somebody who's still plugged in the system, one, try to have compassion because at any point in time, it could have been any one of us and it could be any one of us again if they get us, right? And recognize it's another human being who you're trying to wake up. And then the second thing is watch watch what they talk about. They're all saying the same things and you can kind of get what they're going to say to you before you even have a conversation by just go checking out the talking points on that topic from one of those major organizations and they will repeat it verbatim. Oh yeah. So what finally put the, the nail in the coffin for me was I watched his state of the union address. Trump's? And Trump's. And I watched Nancy Pelosi rip up the speech afterward. And something in my gut just said, this is wrong. This is 100% wrong. That's the leader of our country. And what you're advertising is like, you just spit in his face. And that that was it. I was like, okay, now I'm going to really start opening my mind and seeing what else is out there. So you didn't think that that was theater, the ripping up? No, 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 I don't. I think she is out of, she's an out of control woman pelosi oh yeah well she can't manage any of her emotions she's an alcoholic she can't even talk straight you gotta people sometimes i think what happened in the conspiracy world we we start thinking that everything every little thing is controlled and you gotta that's that would be like a a divine being that could do that yeah right like a a god and that's not the god i believe in who would control every little thing and get it you gotta understand a lot of these people don't have as much control and as much power as you think they do, because if they did, then why would they need to do all this propaganda? They wouldn't need the propaganda if it was already complete. So there's things that get away from them. And I think Trump got away from that. Interesting. I would disagree. Uh, I do like Trump more than Biden, to be clear. But, you know, I I couldn't like anyone less than I like Biden as far as the leader goes. <laughs> um, the reason I, I'm very skeptical of Trump, and I, I was 
really, really all about them. You know, first time I ever voted, I'm 31 years old. I, the reason that I, I voted this time was because he beat Hillary Clinton. I was like, holy shit. I was telling my dad, you know, dad, every election's controlled. You know, they're going to they're going to put in who they want in every president that we've ever had has been related in one way or another, whether it's like distant, distant cousins. I mean, Meghan Markle and, and Harry are related by 16th cousin. You know what I yeah, mean? I know. It's insane. That's insane. I know. All these people are related. They all have royal bloodlines, all that shit. Um, when I saw him win, I was like, damn, maybe I'm wrong about that. You know what I mean? And that's a, a humble moment, right? Like it's, it's where you got to be like, you know, you, you were dead set on this idea. Um, but then I start seeing the people that he's appointing to cabinets, right? I mean, this lady that was his, uh, secretary of, uh, transportation, Elaine Chow. I don't know if you've heard of her. No, she is married to Mitch McConnell. And her father is the head of the Chinese equivalent to like Lockheed Martin. Mm. So, I mean, like he's appointing horrible people to his campaign and typically a, a secretary of uh, transportation. They're only in there for a couple of years. I think Obama over his eight years had like four or five right. Um, Biden right now. He's got Buttigieg who's done some shady shit. Yeah. Um, but he well, kept he, her. Yeah. No, that's all you, you can't criticize him. Come on. That's true. I'm sorry. I'm on notice for that. That's their whole agenda. Their whole woke agenda is they get people who are like in a protected class so that if you criticize them about anything that's valid, they can just say, you're doing it because he's gay. You're doing it because she's a black woman. You're doing it because they're disabled. You know, it's like, no, I'm doing it because they're destroying the country. But okay. Well, speaking of, of, uh, you know, just picking people by race, this whole uh, Katanji Brown Jackson lady, right? I mean, right. She's super pro pedophilia and they call it maps, right? Minor attractive people, but like, dude. Oh, give me a break. You're a pedophile. And of course, that's who a pedophile is going to pick. He didn't pick her, though. You know what I mean? I know you know that. Like, he didn't, he doesn't have any fucking idea what's going on. Okay, but who put him there? I think that it's the people like the Klaus Schwabs of the world, the Tedros. Other pedophiles. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, doesn't definitely. matter whether it's him or the other pedophiles. The pedophiles were a pedophile sympathetic judge. Yeah. Well, and it's wild to think that, you know, the people there's there's, you know, uh, activist groups, um, our revolution, demand justice. They're they're pushing this radical chick forward when there was another person that Biden could have chosen, um, supposedly that was more moderate but they just don't want moderation anymore they want they want the left and the right farther and farther apart that's going to cause you know a ripple in the whole way that society works and no one can fucking get along anymore right um so yeah i mean i think that we can probably agree that that shit's fucked but we can hopefully get to a spot where more and more of the people like us will put our differences aside and and try to at least just realize dude like the these top level people really don't give a shit about you Right. Um, I want to ask, I know we're about to get out of here. I know that you're in the conspiracies um, and you're very funny, by the way, we didn't get to showcase that much here because we were talking about serious stuff. So we'll... I know I try to be serious when it's time to be serious. Usually I can still crack some jokes, but some of this stuff just gets me so riled up that I just go on a freaking, I'm like, you know? yeah, well, I mean, you can hold the conversation very well. I appreciate that because you know, you, uh, you have some interesting thoughts and and they're not interesting in the way where it's like super, super unique, but the way that you can bring them out, I think is unique. Like, so I appreciate that very much. Um, 
what are like some of the, your favorite conspiracies out there? You know, before we get going, Ooh, like, yeah. some well, of the stuff that drives one, of my, drives you one crazy. of my favorites right now is the mud flood theory. Oh, Tataria. I got a friend that you'd like to talk to about that. He's yeah. crazy. This is, this is actually one of the most intriguing conspiracies out there. And <clears throat> that I think we should really be paying attention to. It is wild. And it comes kind of from like the Russian <laughs> area and shit too. Right. It comes from what? The Russian area and stuff too. Like, I mean, like that's yeah, the, the, the Tatar, Tatar, uh, Tataria, Tataria, right? But how do you say the Tatarians, Tartarians, Tartarians, Tatarians? Yeah, lived in Russia before the Russians, but it's not even so much even like limited to Tataria. It's this that we go around the world and we see these amazing structures, these amazing things that have been built that we can't do today mm-hmm. and we don't have an explanation for it i mean they say ludicrous things like i was just reading this thing this morning about one of these structures i'm not really sure where it's located but there was this 900 ton stone long 900 ton one solid stone that they're trying to they say uh the romans built now it's located um, somewhere in the Middle East. So it is quite a far distance from Rome. It is more magnificent than anything you actually find in Rome. And the um, most sophisticated technology that the Romans had at the time that they're claiming they built this was a crane that could lift one ton. They had a crane back then? Yeah, they did. They had a crane. It, was, it, it wasn't like an electronic yeah, crane. Yeah. It was it was operated by you know humans weights and shit yeah, yeah by men right and um <clears throat> but they're trying to say that they built that using that you're like so you had nine hundred of them all working and operating at the same time hmm. and their explanation is well what they did was they would put these stones on logs so the logs become sort of like they roll like this and then they were pulled. The stone, this, this stone was dragged by 800 oxen. They had 800 oxen who could follow direction, be able to be tied up and all operate uh, sort of together to pull this stone and put it in place. And where the stones meet is so tight, you can't even slip a piece of paper in there. Wow. So you have edifices like this throughout the world if you go to peru there are these amazing this amazing wall that's built with these finely cut geometric stones that fit so perfectly within each other and they're cut so precisely that it looks like a laser cut them so throughout the world we have this amazing proof of an incredibly advanced civilization who was able to do stuff that we can't even do today and um the powers that be are just they think so little of us that they're like well they had a bunch of slaves pull it or they had a bunch of oxen pull it or they give us an explanation that makes absolutely no sense and we're just so used to like you know we've been in school we've been indoctrinated like well that's what the historians say so you know you know they're constantly proven wrong and so that's like, that's phenomenal to me because what it, and, and they suggest that these civilizations that built these things are uh, extremely old and um, have been covered up, you know, 
and and they're sort of in in line with that with that theory is that there there's two things like either these were built like over 10,000 years ago, like really. So you had a really war and it was, it's all around the world. So you think it's a worldwide civilization because the structures match each other, even though they're in such different parts of the world. You're like, how do you do that? You know? Um, and then the other thing is that it seems as if uh, whoever is in charge has tried to cover this up because there were these world fairs that were happening around the turn of the 19th, uh, around the turn of the 20th century, right? So the end, late 1800s, early 1900s, where they're claiming, you know, that they there's photographs of these amazing structures that look like Roman architecture in San Francisco when the people that lived in San Francisco maybe had gotten there 50 years ago, according to history. And yet then they erected these amazing structures that already look old, so what they say is, oh, well, we had these world's fairs and we built these out of paper mache. They, they look better than they actually are. Um, mm. And what happens is when they dismantle the, the world's fairs, they end up supposedly dismantling uh, all these buildings. So they destroy a lot of these amazing uh, edifices that clearly are way more ancient and weren't built by them to cover up evidence. And then there's there's always some that they can't destroy for some reason, right? And they either get left behind or they end up getting destroyed later in a fire. So there's all these fires that happen. There's the Chicago fire, um, fires all across. I mean, there was there was a San Francisco fire that ended up destroying these edifices. So you're like, something's going on. Well, there was a Chicago World Fair too, right? I mean, like there's- Yeah, so there, well, it there's seems been like world... wherever these World's Fairs go on, there's fire. There was a fire, yeah. And then they try to claim that the Chicago World Fire, which destroyed so much- property in life was started because a cow knocked over a lamp in a barn it's always cows their farts are fucking us up you see what i'm saying it's just insanity this is insane it is crazy and, and what has made me so skeptical of our version of history is looking at how they change right in front of us right now what they tell us so in 100 years the history books is going to say depending on who wins, right? If these people win, they're going to say that January 6th was the bloodiest battle that was ever waged on the U.S. soil. And it was conducted by an elite group of U.S. Nazis whose agenda was to kill, you know, black and Jewish people or whatever they want to throw in there. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll start saying like anyone that doesn't blindly support Ukraine back during this time was just like a Nazi, even though there's Nazis fighting on the Azov battalion and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, you see them literally lie to you like when you're awake and you know the truth and you know what's happening and you see them literally present a narrative to you right in front of your eyes. That's different. It's two things that you recognize. Number one, it's not for you. They don't give a shit about you. Of course. It's, about, it's about the future. It's about what's going to be recorded on the future because these newspapers are going to be recorded. These stories are going to be recorded. And then number two, if they're lying like that in real time that we can see about now, what lies of that we've been told about history? Yeah. Yeah. There's a great little picture from the shit. It was the early 1900s. Um, maybe in the mid 1900s of these kids. Um, there are a bunch of different white kids in a classroom with uncle Sam as the teacher. And each one of these kids 
represents a state. They're holding up a book, reading out of a book, and it says like Alaska, Arizona, Alabama, like it's in order. And white kids reading the books in the front row. There's the U.S. Uh, not like what are they called? Like the little regions, not the like the Philippines and all that stuff. You know, oh, like yeah, these, the outlying the territories. Yeah, territories. Um, Hawaii's in there. Um, places where people from brown skin tend to come from, right? And there, there's right. four four kids in the front row with brown skin, and they're terrified. And Uncle Sam's yelling at them. Then there's a an Asian that's not even allowed in the building in this thing. Um, and then there's a a black dude washing windows, mm-hmm. and it just shows it's it, it's a wild thing. I'll see if I can send it to you over Instagram yeah. or something. And it's just really kind of the propaganda that's been pushed for so long is is very one sided, clearly. And right. it's it's wild just to think about how we have gotten to this point, right? As a as a country, so I mean, we'll see where where things end up. I hope that people will kind of you know rise up and try and do something about it, man. I just don't know what you know they have us. Here, here's what I think, and this is this is interesting. I think it's always been this way. We just didn't know because Fair. we didn't have we we didn't have any other place to get our information from. Think about even in 2002, where were you going to get information from about what was really going on with the Iraq War? Maybe a couple of, of uh, protesters who were portrayed as Looney Tunes hippies who were like, "No blood for oil," mm. right? They're very easy to control that narrative, but you didn't know where it was what was actually happening so i think it's been this way for a much longer time what i think has changed is a much larger segment of the population now knows it's bullshit and that's why we feel the way we feel we're like everything's coming to an end but it's like yeah this is a complete threat to the system way more of us know what's actually happening and know that it's trash but there have been people who felt like we have throughout history oh sure you go back and you look at the people that knew that 9-11 was done by the bush family in conjunction with a couple of the uh, intelligence agencies around the world and they saw what was going on they're looking around they're watching people just really chant like kill them afghanis put them in the you know put them in the guantanamo bay i don't care torture them right and they're looking around going god if you only knew Right. Well, you know what's fucked up? Like to to kind of bring it back to a, like the larger conspiracy here of like the pedophilia being a big, big thing with these elites is that the Taliban was very anti-pedophilia. That's a massive, yeah. massive part of the culture over there is like man boy love, like Nambla type stuff. Right. Right. And the Taliban wasn't about that. And so you literally have the U.S. military going over there fighting for pedophiles. It's yeah. so crazy to think. And they didn't know this. Like, I'm very pro-troop, right? I, I'm not pro-military, but I'm pro-troop. I'm pro the people that are there doing it, right? Right. Because they think I, they're doing it to they think they're doing it for noble reasons, you know. And, and they're noble men and women. Those people are really pretty selfless people as a whole. Now, yes, yeah, no, some, they really are. Oh, they know their instinct is to protect other human life, which is a really wonderful thing. It's just, once again, it's being inverted and perverted and used for evil. And that's mm-hmm. really, that really, again, comes back to satanic shit where it's like, oh, it's the inversion of everything good. Oh, you have courage. Great. We're going to use that courage to fight for pedophiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, you know, 
It's sad, sad, but yeah. And I think that you're going to start seeing more and more people that are brave, not want to join the military. I mean, we're already seeing that right now and they're getting kicked out. Um, So, you know, it is what it is, but um, I wanted to be respectful of your time. I know you had an hour. Um, So yeah, I I very much appreciate you hopping on. Um, Do you want to plug your stuff? I'll plug it at the beginning of the show too. Anything that you want to? Yeah. So um, I do a lot of comedy content and it's more red pill oriented on my Instagram and YouTube accounts, which you can follow at Leonardo is funny. So that's Leonardo with an A at the end is funny. And um, yeah, so if you subscribe to my YouTube and my Instagram, you'll see a lot of that content. And then I also, if you're in Austin, I do shows pretty regularly. I usually have anywhere from like three to five shows a week and I'll post about that. So if you want to come to that, um, you can always you know, follow me and I'll have the information out there. And it's usually a good time. Dope. Yeah. yeah. And she is funny. So I, I do appreciate that. I'd love to talk with you again. And to, to uh, one thing, um, we do a Monday night show every Monday where it's like a group thing. And, you know, oh, I'd great. be happy, happy to have you on that. Um, I'm going to ask you the favorite question that every comedian ever has. And I'm obviously being sarcastic. Uh, what is the best living dead, whatever, who's the best comedian of all time? I got to ask you. Oh, that's <laughs> what a horrible question. How could you I know that? every, I know that that's like the thing that's, that's like the shittiest question to ask a comedian, but I, I'm always curious. You know, um, I don't necessarily have a, a best, but I have some people that I've gone, that I've been like amazingly surprised by. Um, one of them was Patrice O'Neill. I I didn't watch his, um, his special until like last year. And I was just floored with how hilarious and creative he was. He was just like hilariously creative and, and just saying things that were true, that were so funny. Like he has this whole bit where he's like, you know, he's, he's questioning women about why men can't sexually harass them. And, and he's, he's hilarious. Cause basically he breaks it down to like, it's just in his nature and that you're like prancing around, uh, you know, showing off things that are going to, I I'm not doing it justice. And I don't want to talk about his actual jokes. Cause I want people to actually watch it. He's one of the best. Cause, yeah. Cause it was actually one of the most hilarious things. And then the other person I'm really getting into right now is um, Colin Quinn, okay. who is a sort of underrated comedian, but he, when I see comedians do really creative bits that are hilarious, that's when my antennas perk up and go, mm, I want to learn from you. Dope. Yeah. Sorry. I hate to do it to you, but I had to oh, that's fine. I there's just, and it's going to, if you ask me like next week, it'll be like two other ones. And that's why week, I like the question. Cause it's like, you can't like gun to head. You can't pick one. So you can't, yeah, you can't because I don't think there's such a thing as the best comedian. Yeah, there's not. It's it, it, like you said, it's there's, the there's like there's a level of the best comedians, you know, like Burrow. the greats and then the, the, the underground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Had to ask you. So thank you very much, Leonardo. Um, hopefully we get to talk again. This was fun. And yeah, uh, good I'll luck on in. everything that you're doing. It's it's awesome, I think. So thank you. I'll come in and be uh, I'll be funny next time. Yeah, we got plenty of time for that. <laughs> Have a good one, all right? All right, Ryan. Bye. Hey, hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Leonardo Joni. Head on over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast to see what I cooked up. 
as a little bonus portion for this episode. And I uh, just really appreciate seeing you guys over there. So take care. Enjoy yourself. Try not to get sick with this damn thing that I got because it's nasty. All right. See you over there at Patreon.